Imagine a world where creatives always have a key to the city. Use promo code 3PLAY and get three signature notebook ones for only $20. That's T-H-R-E-E-P-L-A-Y. This and more are available exclusively at knewamsterdam.com. Newamsterdam.com. Welcome, citizen. Okay, so we have to test, so we just have to talk for a second. Okay, I think we can do that, as we have been talking all night. For two nights, really. Really. Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Erin Pline. I thought you were going to say and. And. (laughs) Diana Seacon each other where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system but we're still crazy for a good true crime story yay Yay, we did it (laughs) so since you have been so patient i have a surprise which you already know what it is (laughs) but i have diana you you're the surprise oh (laughs) i see what you did there No, so Diana is my awesome Minneapolis friend, and I am all the way out in the middle of the frozen middle of the country. It's not usually like this. I, I she keeps telling me that. No, no, this is bullshit. But so did like, <laughs> so did my Lyft driver last night, and the other Lyft driver last night, and the woman at at lunch today, and. <laughs> I mean, I make good money at our job, but not enough to bribe all of those people. (laughs) (laughs) So Diana is all kinds of things. So she's my friend and she's my teammate and she's a fan and a Patreon supporter. And she is my co-host today because I might have ditched Jordan and run away for spring break vacation. (laughs) Not not spring. Well, it was spring at home. (laughs) So anyway, we are, we're going to tell some crime stories, but I have a question first. Hmm. Um, we, cause we had talked about, are there stories you didn't choose? And I think there might be stories you didn't choose. There are a lot of stories I didn't choose. Um, but then I kind of have to get into mine to tell you why, unless you want to the precursor to the story. I have no idea. You've been like dropping hints all <laughs> night. <laughs> last night we tried to record and then it was like 1.30 and I was thinking, I should probably go back to the hotel and we never managed to get the equipment. So. Yeah, no. We, we, well, no, we got it on the table. We did get it on the table. I got it out. I didn't take the Velcro off, but I got it out. It was a good first step. It was. It was like warming, like dipping our toes in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'll tell you about the stories I didn't choose because they're okay. they're really a group. I have decided you're going first. Oh, already then. <laughs> um, so we are right now in Roseville, Minnesota, beautiful yes. Roseville, which is a suburb of St. Paul. St. Paul's like half a mile that way. It's covered in snow, just like every other bit of Minnesota that I've seen. <laughs> so much snow. It's not usually like this. Mm-hmm. That's what people keep saying. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We're, we're sticking to it. Um, so when you asked me about this, I asked you if I could do a historic story because St. Paul has a ton of really cool history. Okay. St. Paul has a lot of really cool mobster history. All right. So I got to stop you. My one requirement was there's a crime. Oh, there's so many. Okay, we're good. All right, then go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But so I started thinking about all of the really cool, like, prohibition mobster stories mm. that happen in You St. said Mall. mobster and not monster. No. So I really didn't need to stop you there. <laughs> I know which podcast I'm on. Let's hold on to podcasts. No, mobster. Yes. Um, yes. So I, I went back to a book. In fact, uh, since my books are still packed up because we are building the library, I had to go to the library. Diana's getting a library. I am so excited about my library. kind of jealous. That's pretty awesome. Um, wow, you used a book. I used a book because I own this book. I usually just use Wikipedia. <laughs> well, but but I'd read this book before and I own this book. It is in hopefully one of those boxes that I have not opened in a while because, again, no bookshelves. Um Diana's effort is putting us to shame Jordan. <laughs> she went to the library to check out a book that she owns and it is in front of her. I mean, to be fair, I went to the library to pay Jeff's library fines. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, well, I'm here. Uh, he'd actually found it for me because I was like, maybe it's on Kindle or something. It's like, I, it's not self-published, but it's like the step above self-published. Right. Not on Kindle. <laughs> no. Definitely not on Audible. I mean, maybe. I didn't check. Um, so it's called John Dillinger Slept Here, mm-hmm. a crook's tour of crime and corruption in St. Paul, 1920 to 1936, uh, by Paul McAbee. McAbee? Yeah. Sure. It has a lot of C's in it. There are a lot of extra letters that I don't think are required. And, and really, like, doubles of everything. Right. <laughs> you had fun with that name. Um, so I had read this book years ago. And, like, the whole book could be an episode. <laughs> like, each. Um, uh, hey, that sounds fun to me. I didn't, yeah. whatever. So <laughs> It sounds like I don't have to do a ton of research, is what it sounds like. Right. So there are a lot of stories <laughs> I didn't tell. Um, I didn't tell the story about the shootout in the Wabashaw Street Caves. You can still Ooh. see the bullet holes. Ooh. Yeah. Um, there used to be, and maybe there still is. I just haven't looked at it. There's um, a company that runs tours out of the Wabashaw Street Caves, and they used to do a haunted St. Paul. And it started Ooh. with a scary story by candlelight in the cave. Yep. So the year I went, it was the Telltale Heart. And then we mm. took an after dark bus tour of all of the haunted places in St. Paul. They do I mean, Williamsburg no. ghost tours out where I am, and that's yeah. I'm way too chicken. Oh, <laughs> I've never so been to Hella Scream. I'm just <laughs> oh no, they're so fun. I took a ghost tour when I was in Oxford a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I took the train over to Oxford, and I took a tour like just a regular walking tour. Mm-hmm. Oh, then, see, that's that's worse. Oh At no, least in a bus you can drive away really fast. Well, Oxford's not that big. Like their streets can't handle buses. <laughs> Well, right, but, but you're on foot. Like, I don't know that I can outrun a ghost. I think oh. my, my outrunning a ghost plan would be the same as my zombie apocalypse plan, which is to be like, just go ahead, do it fast. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm not running from you. I mean, maybe. That is def- running is not a thing I do. No, and I, I don't want to, like, be in that panicked survival mode until they inevitably catch me. So let's, I'll just be one of the first zombies. Well, I'm they would have been British ghosts. So maybe they would have, you know, let me oh, get away yeah. or, or been really polite about it. I don't know. But that was on that ghost tour in Oxford that I found, um, oh, what the hell's his name? The dude that wrote. Okay, that's actually one that I I could have gotten to if I had any idea where this was going. So C.S. Lewis was an occasional pastor at one of the churches Mm -hmm. in Oxford Mm -hmm. uh, at New College, I think it was. And he took some of his inspiration from the items outside the side door of the church. Mm -hmm. So when you go out the door, there is a plaque on the door and it is, oh God, I never read these stupid books. 
like the the but, like his big suit line the which more yeah blah, 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 that mm. one yeah never read him i taught them <laughs> <laughs> well so there's some kind of creature that's kind of ugly with long hair and a big mouth and that's like a you should just cut this whole part <laughs> <laughs> nope a creature with long hair that like a lion no. I mean, I assume that it's like a gargoyle that's on a church, right? Well, so it's it's not on the church. It's across the church. It's like out the door where he would have like left after preaching at the church. Oh, okay. All right. So something that he saw. And so it's it's one of the creatures from Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's not the lion. There's like a minotaur. There's a fawn. There's... No, um, but the fawn is tumnus. the light fixture next to that door with oh. the plaque. And then when you turn to your right, there's a lamppost. Oh. So I I really love Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe a whole lot. <laughs> I enjoyed teaching it very much. Yeah. So plus then um, the rule is you can't show movies when you're a teacher unless you read the novel first and then you have to show the movie. Right. So we would always strategically finish books like the week before a holiday so that then we could spend the rest of the time watching movies. So dear to my heart. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> I totally forgot how we got there. Um, oh, so St. Saint- <laughs> Paul has a super great mob history. Mobster, right. not. I mean, a little bit of the mob too, but that's a story for a different day. Right. Um, I grew up here. I've lived in Minnesota off and on my entire life. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the Southwest suburbs. Um, I don't. I didn't know a lot about St. Paul because St. Paul was super far away. It's like twenty minutes away. I was gonna say <laughs> nothing here is super far away, especially Target. Oh, Target's everywhere. Everywhere. We are within. Five walking minutes of the very first Target that Guys, ever I saw the very first Target ever today. You didn't. That's actually remodeled. Like, they moved it different part of the lot. But, sure. Okay. I totally you harshed your bus, didn't I? <laughs> Way to go. I'm done. Cut the stupid thing off. <laughs> Does it help that my father-in-law worked at the original Target? I don't know. And every time he comes to the house, he reminds us that he once worked at the original Target. (laughs) I mean, I've been here for like three days and you have told me about this Target like 18 times. Although this is the first time I'm hearing it's not the first Target. Well, we're pretty excited about Target around here. Well, I can tell. (laughs) We love Target. Target is pretty fantastic. Target should sponsor Crime Crazy. Uh, Totally. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Then we could buy lots of equipment. Totally. And pens. Don't let me forget to give you pens. Ooh, okay. Um, so anyway, so I grew up in the Southwest Burbs. Didn't know a lot about St. Paul. Didn't know anything about its kind of underground history, which is super fascinating, until it was in my late 20s, I moved to an apartment building in St. Paul. It's an apartment building called Holly Falls. It's on the corner of Kent and Holly. On in Cathedral case anyone Hill. wants to go there right now. This becomes important later. Okay. <laughs> Um, and I was doing laundry. I just moved in there and there was laundry. It's a like 110 year old building by the time I lived there. And the laundry's in this, it's a basement. Um, Mm, I've seen that episode of Criminal Minds. Exactly. So I'm down there doing laundry and there is on the bulletin board in the laundry room, a like Xerox of a page from a book Mm -hmm. that talked about a shootout that happened at Holly Falls between mobsters in the 30s. Wow. It is page 191 of John Dillinger's <laughs> <slept here. laughs> 
I had never heard of this book. I had never heard of this mobster history. None of this. And it is fascinating. Diana is a big history buff. I just got like the whole, all of her accidental major history tourism. (laughs) Oh my God. That wasn't even half of it. Okay. I got a little piece of. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so the story I didn't tell Uh is all of them. Is all of them. (laughs) Because there are so many crazy things that went on in St. Paul during that era. That's very cool. Well, then we'll just have to do a whole series. Right? Over and over and over again. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, but I do like the idea that the story you didn't tell is every single story except the one you are going to tell. Because it's like one of those super (laughs) obvious things to say. I should have thought that through a little bit better. (laughs) No, it was great. All right, good. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I'm going to get serious now. I'm ready. Okay. So since we are on location. Did you head this with crime crazy? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're so cute. I have cetaceans. She does. There are sections. There are bullet points. Jordan. Diana should be running this. I am a structure. She is such a structure, <laughs> such a structure. Jordan and I are both connection. Mm. We're like, mm, no, we're just going to talk. And then like maybe stories will get told. And in the end, we still haven't learned anything. The end. <laughs> but mine are pretty. Look, they're yours decorated. Are so pretty. See, <laughs> see, mine are eight and a half by 11 and color coded, but yours are pretty. <laughs> it fits. That's right. This, All right. This is how we roll. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? I'm so ready. I'm going to tell you a story Mm -hmm. about how a gentleman's agreement Mm -hmm. in 1900. Were you alive then? I was not. (laughs) Me neither. But I am older than you are. (laughs) Not sure I was going to get to work that in. So I thought I better drop it right away. (laughs) And so much older than Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, this is the second week in in a row where I'm not the oldest person on the podcast. (laughs) Not not by a long shot. She's not that much older than me. Mm. She's full of it. Well, that is unrelated. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to tell you a story about how a gentleman's agreement in Mm -hmm. 1900 in St. Paul, where I did not live in 1900, (laughs) led to the Tate-LaBianca murders in Beverly Hills in 1969. Okay. I'm ready for you to make this case. (laughs) It's a good one. I'm really excited. I hope this doesn't end up being an episode full of like you saying obvious history things and me going, yeah, totally. I know what you're talking about. I, just... I think Tate LaBianca is about as like. And that is something I have heard of. So Woo-hoo! then. All right. We're good. All right. So um, St. Paul, as I've mentioned, has a really great mobster history. Not monster. Maybe. Well, also monster, but not different tour. I didn't take that one didn't start in the Wabashaw Street Cave, so I, I didn't go on it. Um, so th- this mobster history really started as a result of what was known as the O'Connor system. So in 1900, a guy named John O'Connor was promoted to be the um, chief of police for the St. Paul Police Department. Okay. Um, he reorganized the entire department, gave himself like absolute power over the entire department mm-hmm. and created what was called a layover agreement with criminals throughout the Midwest. 
So he mm-hmm. would go find some of the, the head criminal people and say, hey, if you guys come up to St. Paul, we'll give you tip-offs about FBI raids, anything that's coming down, like, we'll let you know what we know. Why? Well, they had to agree to three conditions. When they got to St. Paul, they had to check in with the police. Had okay. to let them know they were in town. Okay. Any sort of activity that they were up to while they were living in St. Paul, cops got a cut. Hmm. And they had to promise that they wouldn't commit their crimes in St. Paul. Minneapolis was fair game. Right. Which is like a second from St. Paul. I mean, in 1900... It was a little more than a It second. was a bit of a hike. Right, right. So um, that seems like a really great way to keep like your crime stats down. It's like what casinos do now. Like no one ever dies in a casino. Right, exactly. And everybody benefited. Right. You know, the cops were getting money. The gangsters could kind of do whatever they want as long as they literally like stepped over the city limits of St. Paul and right. went to the Burbs or went to Minneapolis or what have you. Right. And then nobody in St. Paul was in danger of... No. Being victims of, I mean, as long as they stayed in St. Paul. <laughs> well, well, pretty much. But they also, there's a part that I was reading about just last night in John Dillinger's Left Here where they were in, or no, maybe it was one of the news articles, doesn't matter. But they were talking to a woman who had grown up in St. Paul in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And she said, like, you'd be walking to the corner store and there's John Dillinger on the street or there's, you know, right, Machine right. Gun Kelly. And they were just your neighbors. Right. And they'd kind of come up here for the summer and get out of like the hustle and bustle of Chicago mobster life and right. and come up here. That's funny. It's kind of a concept that makes sense. Right. Except that it's bad. Well, and also like known criminals. Like he recruited these people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, everybody benefited from the O'Connor system and it ended up being kept in place even after O'Connor like left and then died. So it stayed in place through prohibition and it really didn't break down until the ham and Bremer kidnappings in 1993. Um, after, wow. yeah, I, not 93, 33. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I did live in St. Paul by then. No, 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 no. Um, that's, that's kind of surprising. Nope. nope. That, that, that was my bad. No. Um, it really started coming down with the Ham and Bremer kidnappings in 1933 and came completely to an end in 1935 because there was uh, a big investigation of the St. Paul Police Department and most of them be. like went to jail or did not work there anymore. Which seems totally reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I found this really great quote from Alvin Creepy Carpus, who was the head of the Barker Gang. Um, He wrote an autobiography later in his life, and he wrote, of all the Midwest cities, the one I knew best was St. Paul, and it was a crook's haven. Every (laughs) criminal of any importance in the 1930s made his home at one time or another in St. Paul. If you were looking for a guy you hadn't seen in a few months, you usually thought of two places, prison or St. Paul. Wow. So... We should probably not let my mother listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> 33, 33, mom. That was before you were born. We're good. So far before. <laughs> so here's a fun fact that I am ashamed of. Uh, the prohibition 
uh-huh. which came about as something called the Volstead Act. Okay. Was introduced by Andrew Volstead. Okay. Senator from Minnesota. I am so sorry to all of America. Uh, yeah, but we're also so sorry to the rest of the world because somehow... We have done things. We have we did something bad in a past life. I mean, or this one. Or possibly this one. <laughs> and there is a giant carrot. I'm going to move further away from the carrot. Mm. Yeah. I am buying carrots for snowmen tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I, apparently you have to freeze them. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't understand where that came from unless they just get frozen when they're in the snow. I mean, that seems reasonable. My kids are convinced. My kids who have never built a snowman, not because of the lack of snow, but because their mother doesn't like to get cold and wet, um, believe that carrots need to be frozen to be snowman noses. I did not buy anything for eyes. Is this going to be a situation? I don't. You don't have coal lying around your house? I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, the house is 106. It is reasonable that it may have been heated at coal, and not everybody who has lived here has done a great job of cleaning stuff out. So maybe. So maybe. So we can just tear apart the house to find coal. Honestly, I'm not sure my kids have the stamina to build a snowman. But I love that yours cannot believe that mine have never... (laughs) Your child can't believe that mine have never built a snowman. (laughs) This is like his first question was, does Tobin really not know how to build a snowman? I don't think Liam has ever built a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> really? I thought he might be the snowman expert. No, he is my child, which means we are indoor people. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. yeah, no, we, we are not, the outdoors hurts us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, especially when it's two degrees out there and you didn't bring a proper coat because <laughs> you're a stupid Virginian. No, who because was like 30? That's no big deal. Because it's April and it should be like 50. It was 52 days ago when I was at home. Now I have a sad. But I'm going to come out here and be cold with you. Okay. If it is still cold by the time you move out here, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so sorry, America, about the Volstead Act. And the, the carrot in the White House. Which is how we got off on this tangent. I am not taking responsibility for that one. Well, I didn't directly contribute either. However, (laughs) I still feel like I owe the world an apology. Yes. All right. All right. So, anywho, uh, Andrew Volstead kind of inadvertently contributed to all of this amazing history. Because during Prohibition, at one time or another, John Dillinger, Alvin Creepy Carpus, the Barker Gang, Babyface Nelson, Machine Gun Kelly, Bonnie and Clyde, all lived in in St. Paul. That is like the coolest list of people. And I am so excited that I knew every single one, every person on that list. Super excited, right? But wow. So not only did they stay in St. Paul... But they stayed in uh, a neighborhood that's known as Cathedral Hill. It's uh, by the cathedral. As one would hope. There you go. Um, is it on a hill? Oh, yeah. A really big one. Okay. Well, then we're good. Yeah. Fun fact that I also learned on the Ghosts of St. Paul tour. Um, the church, the cathedral, is up on a hill. The capital is up on a hill because the capital is St. Paul. Not Minneapolis people. St. Paul. <laughs> um, <laughs> we get a little testy about that. But the church... That and Juicy Lucy is just, you know... It's Matt's. <laughs> I have yet to have one. We can't have it till Cheryl's here. Cheryl! Cheryl, 
find a reason to come here. Um, the spire on the cathedral is extra tall because the bishop that was in charge of building it, uh, Bishop John Ireland, mm-hmm. said that the God is always higher than the government. Ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are lots of good stories about that guy, but again, different podcast. Yeah, no crimes, say, just I good stories. Other, uh, other thoughts about that spire as well, but we keep going. It is a beautiful <laughs> building. Oh, I'm sure. Have never been in it, even though I lived real near it a lot. Um, not a Catholic. <laughs> you don't say. Nope, not even a little bit. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so this this neighborhood is a really beautiful neighborhood, but it is also the neighborhood where F. Scott Fitzgerald was born and lived much of his adult life. And it is also, also the neighborhood where the mansion of James J. Hill, who was at the time the richest man in the world, lived. So, I don't want to be insulting, but I honestly just assumed nothing happened out here. <laughs> we have, we have like the colonies and the capital and all of that is, you know, like went to DC and Richmond and Jamestown and Williamsburg every freaking year of elementary school. And I just assumed that really nothing else happened in the rest of the country. But okay, I'm learning lots. <laughs> the middle is a place too. It is. Yeah. Well, I mean, like <laughs> farming happens in the middle, right? Um, I've been cows. on cows. I've been on a farm once, and it was I've on a, a field a trip, and a cow pooped on me. Oh, did you Not get to ride the cow? It pooped on me. Okay, that is disgusting, and I can't quite figure out how that happened. <laughs> but. Ever since I was really little, I just want to ride a cow. They seem lumpy. I think they would be. It's back in St. Paul. got to Prohibition. We had to Prohibition. All right. So Alvin Creepy Kerpus was the ringleader of Ma Barker's gang. Now, side note, Ma Barker, not the ringleader of Ma Barker's gang. Ma Barker didn't really seem to know what was going on. And apparently, like, there are a couple of different versions of the story that she chose to travel with them. So it looked like, you know, boys traveling with their mother. And, like, that was good okay. and wholesome. Um, but there's another version that's, like, she was just kind of a dullard that was along for the ride and really had no, no nothing clue. going on. Didn't really know what was going on at I all. mean, but... Yeah, that would serve their purposes, too. That makes sense. Right. But it's the like people notice like the Ma Barker gang. Ma right. was like. Had no clue. Kind of oblivious. She was just thing. the figurehead. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so anywho, Alvin Creepy Carpus was he was the ringleader, even though it's called the Barker gang. Yes. <laughs> he was the one in charge. And he planned their uh, kind of two best known crimes, which was the kidnappings of Edward Bremer and William Ham Jr., Right. The crimes were planned at two separate apartments near Grand and Dale in that same neighborhood, that Cathedral Hill neighborhood. Um, and it's about two blocks away from where I used to live in a building called Holly Falls. Yes. Where the Barker gang uh, saw a guy walking on the sidewalk outside in a uniform, thought he was a cop, gunned the fuck out of him. Oh, no. <laughs> he worked for Northwestern Airlines. Oh, no. That's awful. Yep. <laughs> and um, I can't tell if that's like a grimace of you're about to crack up or you're about to cry. <laughs> I'm pretty pleased to have lived in that building. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at the picture on page 191. I'm so ready. <laughs> 
Diana's trying to make this challenging for me because normally I just download an image from the internet, don't give any credit, and stick it up on the blog. I'm going to have to like snap a picture of her uh, her book, her library book. <laughs> My library book. Um, so this is Holly Falls. Uh-huh. And this is the, uh, the other apartment building. So the Barker Gang was staying in the, the first floor of this back one. The it's like a very exciting brick box. It, yeah, it's just a brick box. It was built in like 1905 or something. Um, the apartment I was supposed to be in was this one. Mm-hmm. So two stories above. But that guy didn't move out by the time I showed up with my stuff. Okay. Right? You also have a, a long history of like crazy living arrangements. <laughs> or like crazy living stories yeah, and land- weirdness. Landlord of this place wasn't that great either. <laughs> Um, so but. I ended up living at the front of the building, but also fun fact, there were two parking spaces behind this building uh-huh. and street parking in St. Paul's a nightmare. Um, Good to know. But I had gotten one of those spaces right before I met my husband, which is why I made him come to my neighborhood to a bar I could walk to because I had a really good parking place and I wasn't going to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> she never drove her car again. It's still there. You know, I did sell it to a guy that lived in the building. <laughs> literally still there (laughs) it might be it was a good car um so yeah so that's holly falls that's very cool yep so anywho the uh the barker carpus gang was mostly known for bank robberies cool that was kind of their their mainstay there but in 1933 they decided to turn to kidnapping and the associated ransom as a new and exciting source of income that just seems like so much more work it does. And it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about, like, you assume that nothing happened. Yeah. Which is a, that's a pretty common perception. Like, you yeah. have the East Coast, and you have the West Coast, and then you have, you know. Everybody else. The part you have to fly over to get to the other right. one. <laughs> or, oh my God, drive through. <sighs> yeah, that's a slog. Um, but there was a lot of money in yeah. St. Paul, the railroad magnets were here. Yeah, no, it Shipping makes in sense. the Mississippi River. It was a military presence at Fort yeah. Snelling. Um, this is, you know, Mill City was just across the river. Mm-hmm. Huge amounts of money in Mill City. There was money here. Yeah, good and, place for bank robbery. And I guess and kidnapping. Kidnapping, yeah. 20% of the bank robberies that happened during that period of time happened in Minnesota. Huh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they decided that kidnapping and ransom was the way to go. And their first kidnapping victim was a guy called William Ham Jr. Right. Who was the president of the Ham Brewing Company, the beer with a bear. <laughs> she says that like it means something. It means something to some people. <laughs> oh, no. Is this not a thing other other places? Ham's is beer is still a beer. And its ma- mascot, is it a mascot when it's product? I don't know. Is a ba- like a dancing cartoon bear. Kind of like the Charmin bear, but with like less stuff on its butt. <laughs> <laughs> Those bears, I have I have so many concerns. <laughs> they, they, are, they are unsettling. I don't know. So I'm not much of a beer person um, at Normal. all. Um, I don't recognize these cans and logos that has an eagle so that's much earlier than than the bear all right well hold on let's just go to google images you just get to listen to us narrate the whole thing that's the guy maybe i've seen it It does look like the Charmin bear actually but like 
like um, old Mickey Mouse looks like new Mickey Mouse, like, right? But scarier, right? It's like that. Yeah, totally. I I bet our boss knows something, or her husband probably. This. They know they know some beer. Uh, yeah, they're very good at beer. Mm-hmm. To be fair, pretty good at all drinks, really. True story. Yeah. I've I've never gone wrong yeah. when one of them is around and I am drinking. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so William Ham Jr. was the president of Ham Brewing Company, and he the was the beer with the bear. The beer with the bear, which is a lot of fun to say, and would make people have a really hard time when they're learning to spell English. <laughs> Especially now that like you can't market beer to kids, I feel like the bear was like, "Hey, teenagers, Ham's is cheap, and there's a bear, and there's a bear. It must be good. <laughs> it must be good. It's a teddy bear. Yes. So he was the grandson of the founder of Ham's Brewing Company. It was founded in 1865. And, and that was before you were born? Definitely before I was born. <laughs> but after that rug was made. Whoa. 1862, baby. Which rug? The oh, dining room rug. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I don't own anything that old. I didn't think I did either, but I flipped it up to mop the floor and the original label is there. And wow. Check that noise out. <laughs> Diana has so many cool things around here. <laughs> All right. So, um, Ham, like the breweries, oh, let's try that sentence again. <laughs> like the breweries. It's really hard to say. It's a really hard word. Survived prohibition by making soda and other food products. Okay. There were rumors that he sold real liquor out the back door. I was going to say. Mm-hmm. So, those are pretty much unconfirmed because he was known as a man of integrity. Oh, okay. But... His sales manager, William Dunn, was a well-known middleman between bootleggers and the police. Yeah. So it was so, happening and he just maybe didn't know. I mean, maybe legit didn't know. Yeah. Um, he, like, he was really kind of a pillar of the community. Fair. Yeah. Um, so once Prohibition ended, however, his brewery, all of the other ones were like printing money. Yeah, no kidding. In 1933, Ham's was one of the most profitable breweries in the nation. Nice. So the the Barker gang wanted to make sure that they did this kidnapping right. So they really they did their research. (laughs) Unlike every other criminal we've ever covered, no, they they wanted to make sure this was done right. So they like stalking his probably the right word but it feels too strong but like they watched him go through his routine he went to the office at the same time every day he walked home for lunch at the same time like he did the same things he was a very regular guy um they brought in an expert from chicago they brought in freddie gatz who was one of al capone's guys who'd been involved in the saint valentine's day massacre (laughs) holy crap right and this is a lot of effort and they got some nice tips from the SPPD right? on right. What, what to do about that. Yeah. I can see how this causes the end of that arrangement. <laughs> well, but again, I don't know that they were particularly clear that this was going to happen in St. Paul proper. True. But they wanted to make sure that the PD wasn't going to get in the way. So they offered them 25000 of the 100000 they were going to ask for in ransom. All right. So on June 15th, 1933... Ham was walking home for lunch when he was stopped by a man who reached out to shake his hand mm-hmm. and asked, you are Mr. Ham, are you not? And then he was pushed into a waiting car. Wow. He was Just driven. Like every crime drama 
ever. Right. <laughs> he was then driven to Bensonville, Illinois, for reasons I am not clear on. <laughs> Put in a room with boarded up windows and was made to sign four separate ransom notes for $100,000. And that's okay. about $1.9 million today. Hmm. So here's a fun fact about how how those that time in ben- Bensonville went. Apparently, they the kidnappers treated him nicely. He was nice to them. And at one point, Carpus offered him a beer, but then he felt bad because it wasn't a hams beer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So he scraped the label off because he didn't want to offend Mr. Ham by giving him some other beer. And then he finally was like, I'm sorry, I didn't have hams. I scraped the label off this. And apparently Ham was like, I can't tell the fucking difference. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure a much more polite 1933 appropriate way. (laughs) But uh, apparently Carpus was like, you're an okay guy after that whole exchange. So why? I mean, couldn't he just have given them the money? Could he not? Well, I mean, he was was on his way home from lunch. Well, right. But like, you don't just keep a hundred grand like in your pants. But could he? I I don't know. I feel like. Well, again, like 1933. 1933. I guess he's not doing like a wire transfer or anything. I mean, we probably had wires by then in St. Paul. Yeah, but <laughs> he can't Venmo it to them. Right. Yeah. So. iPhone was yeah. still like two, two, three years away. Right. Yeah. Um, Those are better days. Pre-Apple. No, I just don't like Apple. Go ahead. <laughs> I just keep thinking of all of the arguments or weird things that my kid comes up with that I can automatically verify without like eight trips to the library every day. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. 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 Not, not pre-technology, just specifically the iPhone. <laughs> we will agree to disagree. I know. It's okay. So anywho. I still like you, even though you're wrong. We all have our differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ham was right. asked to name... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Ham, who doesn't know his own beer. <laughs> Cannot tell his own beer from whatever was in the cupboard. Um, and does not have the latest technology. No. He was asked to name a trusted intermediary between the gang and his family. And he mm-hmm. chose William Dunn. Remember that name? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So when the ransom de- demands arrived, Dunn called cops, mm-hmm. and then the FBI got, FBI got involved as well. So it became pretty clear pretty quick that the gang was working with the cops. Right. Um, apparently, the cops considered setting up like a sting at the drop site. Mm-hmm. And then the very next note demanded that Dunn show up at the drop site with all of the doors to his vehicle removed and a red light inside so that they could see that there was nobody with him. That's clever. I don't know why a red light, though. Yeah, that's weird. Um, to distinguish it from other... It's suppose like other cars. Cars? I don't That know. don't have doors and are on this weird road in the middle of the night. Right. <laughs> with only one person in it. Right. Uh, with a lot of money. And a lot of money. I don't know. Red light. Yeah. So that it wouldn't be like hard to look at or blinding or mess with their vision. Well, I don't... It didn't sound like they retrieved the money from him. He dropped it on the side of the road and, and left and... 
I don't think he ever saw his So they wouldn't up. have to get close enough to verify that it was him because nobody else would have a red light? I'm oh, just that, making shit up over here. No, that seems, no, that seems good. But like everything I read was like a red light, but nobody talked about why, why a red, red light? light. Why not a green light? Why not a purple light? This is the birthplace of Prince in like 50 years. Well, yes. <laughs> Wait, no. Like 30, maybe 20. Even know, so, it was still pre-Prince. So, <laughs> right. Do not know uh, how Prince was. Brake lights. Do we have any dates for brake lights? Because this would just get confusing. Like maybe they needed a green light. I don't know when brake lights came around. I have no clue. No. And I'm not looking it up right now. No. All right. So anyhow. I did try to find that image so that I could just post it from my phone. But it's not on Google Images. Really? Well, not. Not listed. <laughs> Page one ninety. <190. laughs> okay. uh, so anyway, so Dunn dropped off the money. Uh, he on June seventeenth, which was two days after Ham was taken, he drove to the designated spot outside of Pine City, Minnesota. Waited for five headlight flashes to tell him he was in the right place, uh-huh. and then put a hundred thousand dollars on the side of the road. I don't know if there was a bag involved or he just like he let just loose set it that, there, like blowing away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess there was a bag or like a a briefcase, something, something. like a satchel. Yeah. yeah. Um. So two no days- dye packs. Well, no. I mean, obviously no dye yeah, packs. No. But. So two days later, Ham was released in a farm field in Wyoming, Minnesota, which is about 50 miles north of St. Paul. That's a very confusing place. Seems like they could have done better. Although, really, I mean, there's there's all kinds of places like that. Yeah. Yeah. Remind me someday to tell you about the cities in Ohio that are not pronounced the way you think they should be. Some of them I know because my grandparents are from there. Oh, that's right. For yeah. sales. Yeah. Lima. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really the beginning of the end of the O'Connor system. Um, they broke the cardinal rule. They kidnapped Ham in, in St. Paul, right. right in St. Paul City the Limits. The one thing they weren't allowed to do. Yeah, one, th- three rules, but one was really, really important. Well, right, right. Um, six months later, they kidnapped Edward Bremer, who was a local wealthy banker. Because the first one went well. Right. Um, so Edward Bremer's uncle, Otto Bremer, founded the bank that I bank at. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, so here we're going to get into some biblical type history. Okay. So Edward Bremer's brother, Adolf, mm-hmm. was married to a woman named Marie Schmidt Bremer. Okay. She was the daughter of Jacob Schmidt. Okay. The founder of Schmidt's Brewery. And oh. coincidentally... The very first brewmaster at Ham Brewing Company. Hmm. I see. I need to draw a map. (laughs) Have I ever told you that we're related to Ed Helms? No. My husband's, grandma's, sister's, daughter's, husband's, Mm -hmm. brother. At that that point, you're not related anymore. (laughs) No, no, no. We're related (laughs) by several marriages. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> so kind of like that. And then the anniversary of their cat's death. <laughs> exactly. 
not my cat. No. <laughs> uh, so kidnapping Bremer was a huge mistake because he was a buddy of FDR's. Yup, that would do it. Yeah. I would just think after the, the first kidnapping, like... It went, right, so when did the police department get investigated? Not for another couple of years. So then... They didn't want to go to these guys and be like, dude, this was not the deal. And like maybe next time they'd go somewhere else. Like what? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know why. They thought we'll just do it again. I mean, I guess it, it ended well for them. Well, so. it ended well for them. It ended okay for the cops. You know, right. I don't know if there was some kind of backroom discussion about don't do that again. Or just... I guess that was okay. Well, right. But but yeah. that was really the beginning then, that, that initial breach of trust. Right. And kidnapping. Ironically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, honor among thieves, right? Right, right. So anyway, Bremer, the second kidnapping, he was a buddy of FDR. Yeah. And FDR yeah, had a little thing called the FBI at yeah. his disposal. Yeah. And he decided to bring down the Barker Carpus gang. And, All uh, of St. Paul. Of St. Paul. And all of St. Paul. <laughs> right. um, a group of concerned local citizens, along with a local newspaper, helped root out corruption in the St. Paul Police Department. And by 1935, almost all of the police department had either resigned or were in jail. Nice. So prologue. Not the end of the story. Just just this part. Fred Barker. <laughs> Fred Barker. Uh-huh. Along with his mother, Ma. Yes. Uh, died in a gun battle with the FBI in 1935. They are buried in Welch, Oklahoma. Okay. Arthur Doc Baker was eventually arrested in Chicago. And he was found guilty of Bremer's kidnapping. Okay. He was sent to Alcatraz. Where you still owe me a trip. I do. He was killed during an escape attempt. Ooh. Definitely killed or like killed like the people that that didn't survive shot in the head super hard okay definitely dead definitely really dead. hard to survive that super they were not messing around he is buried in olivet memorial park in colma california okay which is where my grandma's buried so before we started recording you said everything is connected Oh, but wait, there's more. We need a flow chart. Where's we the do. flow chart? So I it's also, on page four. I mean, probably. probably. Um, so actually, I did not. I just found that this out when I was researching this. Mm-hmm. And I never. So Colma, California is the city of the dead outside of San Francisco. Okay. Um, at the around the turn of the last century, San Francisco ran out of room to have cemeteries. Right. So they ceased burial in town. There's still a couple that are there, but like no no recent burials there's a military cemetery um, right by the bay and i think one other um so a lot of cemeteries and a lot of graves were moved out to colma and there are i think five major cemeteries and they are mostly divided by religion with all of it being the exception all of it started out as an inclusive cemetery Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of Chinese graves because they weren't allowed oh, anywhere else. Anywhere else, right? Um, my grandma and her parents are buried in in all of it. They were German Lutherans, um, so all of it was inclusive. I had no idea that Doc Barker was buried there, right? But when I go out to San Francisco, whenever I can sneak out to Colma to visit Grandma, I'm I'm gonna go check him out too. Yeah. 
Um, Because it's actually a really cool cemetery. That's another kind of accidental history lesson I got. I was visiting my grandma's grave for the first time, like, since she died. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't remember where it was like I was there at the funeral but I didn't remember oh, sure. sure where it was you probably were not like mapping it out while you're well no morning and, and uh so I went to the office to be like looking for my grandma here's her name um but I'm not even sure I'm in the right cemetery because I I knew it was Colma, but I didn't remember which one. Right. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia pages like well that's Catholic that's out that's you know a Jewish right like, that's, that's, right, well, right right so it's got to be this one and uh so you know I went to the office and I get to talk to this woman and I said, I don't, I don't even know that I'm in the right cemetery at all. And she's like, well, tell me what you remember. And I'm like, well, we were kind of up on a hill and there was like a pet cemetery to my left. And she's like, that's here. I know where she is. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up like going out to dinner. She gave me a tour of the cemetery <laughs> all of the different plots and told me this huge amount of history of the different trade unions that are buried there and there's an odd fellows burial and the whole story about the Chinese inclusiveness and all of this like spent this whole night with this woman you know at, that looked up where your grandma was that looked up where my grandma was and like walked me up there because it's kind of weird and confusing this seems to be a theme in your life like I had a single simple question and then six hours later I had a new best friend <laughs> kind of yeah and I now know all the history. Right. So no. So next time, next time I'm in Colma, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna go. See, I'm gonna go see him. And uh, Alcatraz with me. Absolutely. We're gonna do the night tour. Oh God. Okay. I still kind of want to be locked in the solitary room, just for. They're a not little, that bad. A little bit. You can go right in them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. I've done it. Okay, so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, they're. I also want to do. They're like right a there. <laughs> sensory deprivation tank, like the floaty like the float salt. Tank. Yeah. I want to do that. I think we have those here. Okay, that's on the itinerary for yes. next time. Mm-hmm. Probably not tomorrow. <laughs> Probably not tomorrow. Should work. <laughs> I should too. Yes. <laughs> all right. So after after all of this, Alvin yes. Creepy Carpus was given the title of public enemy number one. Nice. In history, there were only four public enemy number ones. So are you proud of that title? I think you must be, right? Well, he must be because the other three mm-hmm. were John Dillinger, mm-hmm. Pretty Boy Floyd, uh-huh. Babyface Nelson. Uh-huh. Carpus was the only one to be taken alive. Ooh. I mean, I think... I'd be proud of that. Not any fame is good fame, but that level of fame, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, criminals are bad. (laughs) Criminals are bad. Black and white. Sure. (laughs) So he's declared public enemy number one. He went on the run. Uh, the FBI nearly got him in Atlantic City after Ma and Fred died. Mm-hmm. And he committed a train robbery in Garrettsville, Ohio, but got away. When you're public enemy number one, you don't like just lie low. Gotta eat. I guess. 
Apparently, he did not wisely invest the ransom money right. from the ham kidnapping so that he could live off the interest comfortably. I was going to say, because we <laughs> just talked about that. That's like exactly the amount you wanted. Right? I need, well, in current dollars, I would need $2 million, but yes. But it was like one point, it was like, what did yeah, you say, 1.6 1. 1. or 8 or 9? Or... It was a lot. So yeah, that would have been just fine. Yeah. He could have comfortably lived the rest of his life. And it would have been tax-free, whereas when I win the lottery, I'm going to have to pony up for that noise. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So on May 1st, 1936. Mayday. Yeah. The FBI located Carpus in New Orleans. And J. Edgar Hoover himself got on a plane, flew down to New Orleans to be in charge of their... To be in charge of the arrest. Uh-huh. And personally escorted him back to St. Paul for trial. Uh, Carpus. Man. <laughs> Carpus initially pled not guilty and eventually was persuaded to plead guilty. A little foggy on how that happened. Mm-hmm. And he was sentenced to life in prison. He forgot to ask for his lawyer dog. He did. <laughs> he was sent to Alcatraz where he served 26 years making him the longest-serving prisoner at Alcatraz. In 1962, when Alcatraz was in the process of being closed, he was transferred to McNeil Island Penitentiary. That's another word I cannot say. (laughs) McNeil Island Penitentiary. (laughs) I was going to say it, and then I thought, well, now that you've said you can't say it, I can't either. Penitentiary. Better than I was doing. Penitentiary. He it's was transported like, to McNeil Island prison jail, <laughs> big bad house in Washington state. He was eventually released in 1969. He was deported to Canada because he was Canadian, <laughs> wrote a couple of books and died in 1979, for which I was alive. I was four. And I thought the world was going to end because I did not know that numbers came after nine. Oh, no. (laughs) I was very surprised at 1980. (laughs) But relieved. But relieved. He's buried in Spain. He's, why? Don't know. He was like, I'm going to be in all the countries. Yeah, why not? So I was not alive for that. But my parents got married the next year. And then I was born two years later. My parents got divorced like the next year. (laughs) (laughs) So while he was at McNeil, Uh he he met and gave guitar lessons to... (laughs) Not what I was expecting. Okay. Charles Manson. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Charlie. My buddy, Charlie. Sounds like such an innocent name, uh-huh. doesn't it? When you when you start talking Charlie. about it, Charlie, Chuck. I don't think he was a Chuck. Mm. Mm. No, Chaz. No, he would need to be much more fabulous to be a Chaz. Well, yes, but I'm just, that's the only other name I can think. Of. I know. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. So Charlie mm-hmm. became a pretty decent musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard his stuff. It's not bad. Right. Um, so Charlie, again, whole whole other topic. Charles Manson spent a total of 11 years of his entire life out of institutions. Oh, my gosh. From the time that Charlie got out of jail 
until he was put back in as a result of the Manson murders, the Manson family murders. Yeah. It was, I think, like two years. That man wow. got shit done. Yeah, no Like, kidding. not good shit, but shit. So, Charlie was a pretty decent musician. Mm-hmm. Um, one of, during one of his few breaks from jail. Short breaks. Short, short breaks. He met Dennis Wilson, who mm-hmm. is the drummer of the Beach Boys. Okay. Manson and the, the family that had already started forming, so mostly like a bunch of girls. Right. Moved in with Wilson. And Charlie began pursuing a recording career. Okay. Dennis Wilson paid for these people to live in what I am assuming was a very nice house. Right. And he, there was something I read the other day that said he estimated he spent like $100,000 on like feeding them and clothing them and and all of this stuff, including it was something like $23,000 for like STD treatment. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is so much. That is, it is. Yeah. So anywho, during this whole carnival this whole thing sounds fake like oh no i just wrote down all the names i could think of and then made up a story you know how you do that with like teachers like here are 10 words make up a story where they all go together no this is insane all true so dennis wilson introduced charlie to a record producer named terry melcher and manson and melcher initially met at melcher's house on i don't know how to pronounce this but i'm gonna go with CeeLo. Sure. C-I-E-L-O. Sure. Sure. In Beverly Hills, where Melcher was living with his girlfriend, name drop, Candace Bergen. (laughs) (laughs) Melcher was initially really interested. Uh, Charlie was actually a pretty good musician, but he declined to sign him because he witnessed some of Charlie's violent behavior. He got got kind of violent. Um, no, not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not I too long. Got that feeling. Yeah, not too long after that particular incident, uh, Wilson and Melcher both cut ties with them. Total altogether. Yeah. So by the time that they had really severed those ties, Charlie and the family had moved out to Spawn Ranch, mm-hmm. and they had formulated the plan that would become Helter Skelter. Right. And Helter Skelter was the incitement of a race war caused by Charlie's music. And the family was going to wait out this race war in a secret city under Death Valley. And then once the race war was done, Uh the black people would figure out that they couldn't run like governments and stuff. Right. And they'd killed Whitey. Yeah. But then Charlie would come out and he'd just run stuff for him. Right, right, right. And they'd be grateful. And he'd be so good at it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really, the requirement is... Be institutionalized, play guitar, trip balls constantly. Right. Lots of STDs. So many STDs. That's pretty much it, right? So actually, I think that's what our president is right now. So actually, Charles Manson had a pretty solid plan for running the world. Yeah. um, I don't know that Trump can play guitar, but anyway. Not with those hands. (laughs) (laughs) Ukulele. Ew. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's so disgusting. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, fuck. All right. All right. Um, so anyway, 
anyway, Charlie needed to incite a race war with yes. his music. Yes. What was that movie, Team America? Like, you can save the world with your acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Charlie, Charlie had a war to incite people. But that was going to be super it's hard. A mission. Hard to do because he could not get a recording contract. Right. Because everybody who met him was like, oh, you're psycho. Yeah. Um, so he decided to send some members of the family over to the home of Terry Melcher on mm-hmm. Celo Drive to kill everyone there. Right. And jumpstart Helter Skelter because apparently people were not getting their shit together and doing it themselves. Yes. If you want something done right. So the stories differ on this part of the story. Okay. He may not have known that Melcher and Bergen had moved out the month before and uh, rented the house to Roman Polanski and his wife, Sharon Tate. Uh, I... I'm so thoroughly impressed. <laughs> you were like, this is what we're connecting. I was, mm-hmm. I was a little skeptical. I was, I was so proud of myself. That was that was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to tell my story now. I should have gone first. <laughs> but you know, I could never be on the show again because I don't know that I could top that. <laughs> well, okay. So the other impressive, impressive not oppressive, that's different. <laughs> don't you oppress me. Is that it's been how many days since I was like, hey, you want to be on the podcast? I don't know, like four. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to kind of be in Minneapolis when it's time to record. Uh, I'm coming to your house. (laughs) I don't sleep. It's cool. (laughs) Apparently not. My God. I did did text our boss today and say, I think Diana's going to kill me. I don't think I can keep up. <laughs> um, so what you don't know is I will sleep all weekend. <laughs> I will drive all weekend. Yeah. Not not as much fun. No. And I can't even sleep because my daughter screams constantly. Yeah. But it's not unhappy. It's just loud. All right. So, yeah. No, I'm I'm really impressed. And I only sort of remember what my story is about. You remember earlier. I do. No, I, I do remember. Um, I get to say a fun word. <gasps> Ooh. So. Is the, it Sheboygan? No. Is it Squamous? No, it is Ectrodactyly. <gasps> I know what that means. You do? Is this about Lobster Boy? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, so this might be a weird thing to say. Uh-huh. I love Circus Freaks. <laughs> Well, I have a story for you that you apparently already know. <laughs> do you do you know what is a mere four and a half to five hours away from this very spot? Um, Target. I mean, probably <laughs> <laughs> in every direction, just a radius. Right. It is both four and a half and five hours away. Probably, yeah. <laughs> it's just a bullseye from T one, just out and out and out. <laughs> Right. It really is. Yeah. That's how they plan their stores. Yeah. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. That's why they have that logo. Yeah. Has so nothing n- to do with the name. Uh, uh, you've probably driven past this place. Oh. Uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin. Okay. Sure. Home of the Circus World Museum. Oh. Which is where um, I think several of the circuses, because they kept merging and. Yes. Um, they had kind of their summer grounds. There and there's now this really great museum. That's cool. And yeah. And yeah, that was a great ending. Yeah. 
And yeah, but it was kind of the northern version of the Florida town whose name I can't remember. That was kind of the wintering home. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the name is, but I know what you're talking about. But it was Florida, and apparently they changed the zoning laws so that like you could keep your elephant with you. I mean, they have like scary shit like crocagators down there. Is that a real thing? Well, no, I just lump them all together because I think they have outlived their allotted time on our planet and they need to go now. Sometimes they eat assholes and I'm okay with that. Yeah, but mostly they eat puppies. I'm not as okay with and that. And chase people. Plus... Okay, I'm a little okay with that. That sounds funny. <laughs> they can like... They can swim and they can run and they can climb fucking trees. But I am picturing like a crocodile like going down the middle of the street like chasing after a guy with those stumpy little legs. Yeah, but they're fast. Are they? Yes. And they look at you and when they look at you and make eye contact, it's like marking you. They're, in fact, that's why I have to move to Minnesota because there is one at the Virginia Living Museum back home that came to a bunch of like they would bring the animals in. It's actually a little caiman. And they always had a skunk and they always had a porcupine and they always had an owl that would shit all over the auditorium floor. As you and do. then they always had this came in and they would bring it around and let everybody look like touch it. <laughs> Did you almost say lick it? <laughs> I was going to say look at it. And then I was like, but actually you could also touch it or lick it. You could lick it. <laughs> My daughter totally would lick it. You people from the South are strange. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> So this thing looked at me the first year they were there. Oh, and a groundhog. No, a, a groundhog? Yeah, groundhogs are like surprisingly mean and violent. Um, anyway, it looked at me and it was like I could read its mind. And it was like, you, when I'm bigger, I'm going to find you and eat you and you're going to be dead. And every year it looked at me like that. And so I got to move out here because I don't think it can fly. It can climb trees and it can run and it can swim, but I'm fairly certain this is a safe distance. It would freeze to death before it got here. <laughs> <laughs> One can hope. Yeah. So, yeah, crocagators. Not a fan. Um, I, I could see that. Yeah. So, well, then I'll have a question for you here mm. when, I, when I read you the quote in my story. All right. So, do you know this story? I mean, it's The whole with- lobster boy. Oh, thing? yeah. Okay. I read the book. Well, all right. Everybody else doesn't, so I'm going to tell the story. No, this is a fantastic story. And this is a very, it is like a one-page summary of the story, so it's a very short version of the story. That's that's good, because there's a lot to that one. There is, but I just just did the crime part, and that was pretty much it. All right, so um, background. Grady Franklin Stiles Jr. is our main character, and he was born on June 26, 1937, and like we talked about, he had um, uh, ectrodactyly, which is also sometimes called, and I'm like doing, <laughs> I can't hold my book because I have to do the motion with my hands. Um, it's called split hand foot malformation, so uh, SHFM, which is, does not roll off the tongue. No, but it is much nicer than what they used to call it. Well, yes. Um, so basically, it's a condition where your your limbs, like your hands and your feet, or either or, form improperly, and you're generally missing some of your middle digits, so that you have like a claw. Mm-hmm. And like in his case, it looks very much like a crustacean claw. Um, not always, right? So it can have any number of variations. So not only did he have it in his hands. But his 
feet, his legs were also malformed and like curled up under him and like below his knees were really very small and he couldn't walk. So he had like amazing upper body strength because even though he had a wheelchair, he preferred to like throw himself around with his arms and um, he was disgusting. So not because of his malformations, but because of what I'm about to tell you. In <laughs> because just a of his person. Because <laughs> of his person. Although, to be fair, I'm not sure he stood a chance. Yeah. 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 So his father was already in a circus and um, was, or in a carnival. Um, and so when his child was born with the same malformations that were like his sideshow, he put him in like working with him like right away when he was really, really little, entirely too little for people to be looking at you going, oh, you're a freak. Like it's a horrible thing. So uh, he grew up and was just always the lobster boy. And that was his whole life. He married um, a woman named Mary Teresa, who went by Teresa. They had four kids. Two of them had SHFM, and he liked those children and took them around with him to all of the, the carnivaling that he did, and they were the lobster family. Mm-hmm. And Diana's like, yeah, I've heard all of this. But it's, <laughs> it's a fascinating story. It is. So this was the part that was, like, disgusting. Um, because he told somebody um everyone i have sex with wants to have sex with my claws i know that there's someone for everybody whether it is momentarily or otherwise Mm -hmm. and i've i've done some things that are questionable (laughs) Uh uh-huh but you don't want to have sex with his claws? No. <laughs> Very much no. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I suppose if he had a sparkling personality, but I do not believe that was the case at all. No, no, it so wasn't. And that was like his his thing that he was super proud of and like everybody is attracted to me. And I don't, maybe it's just overcompensating, right? Because... In reality, most people treated him like shit. Well, but he also treated other people like shit. Well, he did. He did. So how much of it was like, hey, lobster boy? And how much of it was like, hey, pretty lady? Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure it went that way. But I mean, like the the, the comment that, oh, everybody wants me because I have right. like, I, you know, I'm amazing. Like if he had not been born into like circus freak... Would that have been, would he not have ended up with that attitude? I don't know. It makes no difference because he ended up being just awful. Right. What, and it, I mean, I don't know. It seems to depend when you look at like some yeah. of the other folks that made it into the sideshow circuit. Some of them, it was kind of their, their saving. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them, it was just exploitation. Not so much. Not so much. Also, I don't know. He just, I mean, and I'm, so I didn't see a picture of him until after I had read the whole story. And so I knew that he was like a mean, disgusting human being. But he also looks mean and angry and like someone I wouldn't want to get to know. He looks like he could <laughs> mess you up. Well, and he can. Well, not not currently, but he no. could. <laughs> um, so 
1978, he so one of his daughters was did not have his deformity um, or his malformation, um, and she was engaged and she was going to get married. And like right before she got married, he was super jealous of her giving affection to somebody else, and so just killed the fiance, just shot him. Was like no big deal and then didn't even try to hide it or deny it or act sorry about it like just had no remorse whatsoever presumably the daughter was unhappy with this um i, I feel like that's a pretty good lead <laughs> right? you know i brought but home some boys my didn't parents care. didn't like and i would have been quite put out if they had murdered him yes <laughs> pretty much even people i don't like i can think of one individual at the moment but I think I'd still be upset if somebody murdered that person. I mean, I've got a couple I wouldn't be too worked up about. Not to say it wouldn't be deserved. Although that's kind of extreme. Okay, we're going to go back <laughs> to this right now. Um, anyway, so he was convicted of third degree murder, which is not a thing. Is it a thing here? It's a thing in Florida. Yeah. It's so a I'm, thing here. Yeah. And it's a thing in one other state. Well, I think... And I'd have to look it up for sure. I think third degree here is generally referred to as manslaughter. I think we do like first, second manslaughter. But that does not seem manslaughtery. It does not. And actually, I could not figure out how they decided on this. Because in Florida, at the time, the definition was, um, it usually was either like a depraved heart murder, right? So you... A depraved heart? Yes. I've never heard of that. Oh, so you did something seriously risky that you knew was could definitely cause the other person's death but you didn't intend to kill them okay so like um you got really drunk and played chicken with your friend in two big trucks like probably someone was gonna die you knew they were gonna die Mm -hmm. you didn't care but you weren't like actually intended to kill them that wasn't the goal but it wasn't a pure accident that you caused right yes right and it wasn't like passion or you know it it was just you were doing a stupid thing that you knew was going to kill somebody and that was cool with you and then it did and then it did um the other thing that it could be is it could be a a felony involved in like another felony along with the murder nested felonies well like um like um so this wouldn't count, but like, let's say that you are selling lots of cocaine to somebody and the deal goes bad and then your buddy shoots the other guy. Like that is a felony and okay. murder. Gotcha. Um, but drugs don't count. So it can't be a violent felony or a drug related felony in order to be third degree murder. So like if you're breaking into somebody's house and then you shoot the guy right. that lives there. Right. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. As long um, as the guy that lives there is not a Coke dealer. Um, who you were trying to buy from. <laughs> okay. That, yeah. That's a whole lot of complaints. <laughs> I'm going to break into this house, but if the guy's a Coke dealer, I'm going to buy some Coke instead and then shoot him. Right. <laughs> and then take a shit. Well, it was like, <laughs> I know this guy's a Coke dealer. I'm going to pretend to buy the Coke and then shoot him. Don't Coke dealers usually have like amazing stuff like alligators? Probably and tigers and stuff. Yeah. Crocodiliers are terrifying. Anyway, I don't know any Coke dealers, so I cannot. I don't it. either. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If I was gonna have a, no, I wouldn't have a crocodile. Wouldn't wouldn't happen. No. Um. So I don't understand how this would have qualified 
because it seemed very clear to me that his intent was to go shoot the fiance and kill him dead. And then he did that. Was it like a plea deal down? I mean, he confessed and that's what they convicted him of. But it, I don't know. But like I said, we know my, nothing about our legal system. <laughs> exactly. And my research is like, I read two articles and one of them was Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> <So laughs> Wikipedia is very accurate. Often. And then I generally try to verify it with something else. Actually, I read three articles in this case because first I think it came off of a list of like the top five, whatever, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's a book that I read a million years ago um, that went into the whole yeah there are there are a couple and there's a movie there's something i i read about that too but i didn't write it down i don't think i knew about oh maybe or like a mini docuseries or something like that there's some some you can watch are there mini series about awesome murder i mean not that this is an awesome murder not that murders are awesome. I'm going to try this whole thought again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Diana's like, I am giving things away. I didn't intend to give away. No. Yeah, but like that would be, I don't know. There's a lot of potential for like a miniseries here. Yeah. <laughs> we could do that next. <laughs> um, I mean, there are some. Like, have you watched the the Netflix ones? Like the um, the Zodiac one. <gasps> uh, oh, no. Zodiac was a movie. What was the one that I just watched? Um crap uh where it goes through the whole history of okay well we're gonna have to look it oh, up oh is I it the uh can't remember what i've watched the profiley one that has like the hints about btk at the beginning there's that one but there's also it's not zodiac but there's another serial killer and they go through the whole thing there have been more than two serial killers well Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to answer this question. <laughs> we were like, not Zodiac, another one. Another one. Well, no, because I like watched four total. <laughs> <laughs> you got Zodiac, no. you've got Bundy. <laughs> That's all of them. That's it. No more. No, it was because I watched it at the same time. And I watched Zodiac. And I was like, oh my God, these are all the, because this is the way my life works. It's Iron Man and the Hulk. (laughs) I know all of these actors and this is weird. Um, But no, right around the same time, I also watched the series that was, I watched the like profilery one. Mm -hmm. And then I watched another one that was on not the Zodiac, but the one other serial killer that exists. (laughs) And... I'm going to tell my story now. And that's when the cannibalism started. (laughs) Did you watch um, My Friend Dahmer? No, I haven't. I haven't. But I did, when I was sick, I don't know, probably like a year ago, watch some horrible made-for-TV movie from the perspective of Dahmer's dad, who apparently did write a very touching book. About really? his kid? Yeah. No, after Dahmer was killed, his dad wrote a book. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called, but it's like, you know, being Jeff's dad or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this made for TV movie did not at all stick to any version of the truth. And uh. it was it was cringingly 
terrible. <laughs> but like in that kind of way, I'm like, this is terrible. It mm-hmm. is factually only vaguely related to right. the story as a whole. There are some names. <laughs> Somebody dies. Right. Like not any of the right people. But <laughs> right. Um, but like I couldn't turn away. And the whole time I'm telling my husband like, this is just the worst thing ever. Like, I'm never going to get this time back. Like, this is horrid. He's like, just turn it off. I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> we have started it. We have to finish it. I mean, it's a made for TV movie. It's going to be over in you know, like 37 minutes, but it's going to be a rough ride. Right. <laughs> no, so my friend Dahmer was, um, I, I did go see it and it was very, I was very conflicted. It's one of those things where I think just growing up like there everything was very black and white and then now that I am older than 30 (laughs) there I I live in a small little world where everything never changes and so I'm just having experiences where I'm like oh well duh it's not like that and this that movie was very much like that like I left going I just need to be alone for a while to really process this um it was pretty good yeah well so you know i like the serial killer stuff no i yeah what yeah (laughs) poor poor jen at the lunch that we had you and me and christine (laughs) and she did she get up and go to the bathroom what happened i don't remember (laughs) she's just sitting there going Hey, I need to leave. These people know too much about murder. I, I am in danger now. Um, but the more I learn about the various serial killers, the more you get to the point with all of them where you're like, oh, I can see that. Yeah. I can see where you went there. Like, yeah. it, was, it was fucked up. It was wrong. It is maybe not a step I would take. Although... But I see how it didn't just go from, but there are, I mean, there are people who are like, everything is, is fine, not fine, but like, it should be fine. Who then just really like to kill people or really like to do bad, evil things. But most of them, it's like, hmm. It makes sense to them that that is the step that they have taken. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and maybe like you said, that's the benefit of being older and realizing that nothing is black and white, including black and white. Right. And which is really upsetting, which is really upsetting and weird and so hard, like as a parent. Oh, my God. To even start laying that groundwork. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, you know, there is a point at every story that I hear where you're like, yeah, all right. I see where you got that. Well, and then. Yeah, there's the whole who's who's at fault thing because somebody needs to be the bad guy when really horrific things happen to people who really don't deserve it. And yet, there are so many people and it just all had to be that combination in that order and that maybe degree of mental illness or maybe abusive home life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you read the book Life After Life by Kate, I think it's Atkinson? No. Once I unpack my books, you may borrow it. <laughs> and it's it's an entire book about how one individual decision yeah. changes the rest of your life. And it goes through a bunch of yeah. those different... It's it's amazing. Um, but, you know, if I had not peed before I went to pick you up today... 
Yeah. How would our night have unfolded differently? Differently. Yeah. If I had, you know, put on my yoga pants instead of kept on my regular pants. I was, you know, about 10 minutes ago, I looked down and was like, oh my God, Diana's wearing pants. And I thought I shouldn't say that on the podcast. So I've said it now. You're wearing pants. I am also wearing pants. I am also still wearing a bra. (gasps) Me too. We're so grown up. I know. But I'm also like not at my own house. So I feel a little obligated. (laughs) She's like, no, whatever. So my friend Sarah has a kid well, she has three of them but this particular one is the youngest mm-hmm. um and we used to live like six blocks away when i lived at my old house from each other and they would drop by on the regular and apparently they're coming to my place they're driving up they're they're pulling into my driveway mm-hmm. and gus yells auntie dies pants off <laughs> <laughs> That is great. Even, and he was like two or three. And I'm like, that's right, kid. And that is how we roll. Don't need pants at Auntie Di's house. That is how we roll. So just so that everybody's mind can be put at ease when Diana says she's not wearing pants, it means that she's not wearing like daytime pants. Oh, I'm not wearing pants that might at some point require a belt. <laughs> right. They're not jeans. But they are in fact still pants. Yes. She is covered from the waist down. Also the waist up. I am fully covered. Anyway, this dude, I think he's just screwed from the get-go, but oh, I think yeah. also he is yucky. Totally host. Um, so, because there were no facilities at the time that could accommodate his disabilities, um, he was given 15 years of probation, which actually, now that I think about it, I sort of wonder if they didn't convict him of third-degree murder so that they could give him a probation sentence knowing that they couldn't lock him up. But I I don't know anything about the legal system. And so I have no idea if you can just say, oh yes, first degree murder planned and carried out, but you don't have to go to prison. So I have two problems. One is that I feel like when you kill people, Mm -hmm. you should get at least a little jail time. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And the second part is, he wasn't that messed up. No. Like, he was a functional adult who supported his family. Yeah. Not that that's a particularly relevant skill in prison. Right. But, like, he got around. He could take care of his daily needs. He could feed himself. Like, well, he just didn't have the legs that worked so good. Exactly. And, I mean, I, he also... I mean, his his hands were very, very deformed, but he still had essentially an opposable thumb, right? So he can still grasp things. Right. I don't. He wouldn't have needed like a care attendant. Like, right. He could live independently. Right. I mean, he didn't because he always had like wives and kids and shit, but. Right. Uh, which I totally skipped that. I'll go back to that in a minute, but. Yeah, he got around. Yeah. Um, but like. He could take care of himself. He just, again, his physical challenges were not. They didn't slow him down at all. I mean, he managed to go and kill someone like to plan it out and get himself there and carry it out and. And be cool with it. And right. So he was obviously fine. Plus, you can't tell me that nobody before this time, before where are we? 1978 broke their leg. Or 
whatever and yeah. still had to go to prison. Like like disabled people didn't commit crimes. Right. <laughs> right. They didn't have any any idea what to do with them. You know what just occurred to me? I wonder if they couldn't handcuff them. I, not that that is a reason for anything, but I wonder if... Because I'm picturing his hands. Yeah, I don't know that they're wider than his wrists. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Does that make him more of a danger then? I mean, if he can't be restrained. There are other ways of restraining people. Yeah, but it was the 70s. I don't know that we'd gotten like real humane about that yet. I don't know that anyone cared. Yeah. <laughs> so... I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, part of me was like, so was it just kind of. Or was I, it also part of the backlash of like, if we put you know, like, if this hits the news. Right. And the general population sees this dude. Right. We can't put him in jail. Right. And looking at you, your disabilities are very, very obvious. And, and, and profound. Just, and Right. And so we can't accommodate that. Like, if it was just that you couldn't walk or you were missing an arm, like, we can handle that. But, oh, my God, you look crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it can't have been for any logical reason, though, because there's no way that nobody got shot as they were being caught and couldn't walk for a while like how I, I don't know I just I can't imagine like planning this out deciding that the daughter's boyfriend has to go getting a gun right. getting in the car driving out there shooting him real good right and then being like oops <laughs> right I can't go to jail I can't walk I totally I didn't mean that well he didn't even he had no like no, he, he was didn't fine stick it, yeah. up for himself at all he wasn't like oh well you can't put me in jail because look at me he just that's just what they decided which i don't know i, I, yeah. I don't get it so the part i skipped was that he which i think we can all just guess was um alcoholic and abusive and <gasps> a horrible human being <gasps> right i alluded where, to it where are my pearls so that i can clutch them <laughs> <laughs> i don't know because you are wearing emerald earrings and no pearls <laughs> i did wear pearls last week they're upstairs Oh, do you need to go get them so that I can read that line again? <laughs> it's okay. I don't want to wake everybody up just so that I can clutch my pearls. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So 15 years probation on the grounds that if your legs look a little weird, you can't go to prison. I have pretty ugly knees. I definitely can't bench press as much as this guy. So I think <laughs> that means I'm safe. I'm pretty sure that guy could bench press me. Uh, Which is no mean feat. Well, he, but he was like insanely, I mean, he had just no, because he didn't use his wheelchair. So he yeah. was just all upper body strength. Well, he must have terrifying. had an amazing core. Yeah. Not a thing I've ever had. No. My daughter, on the other hand. <laughs> Rock hard abs. only weighs like 22 pounds. So really, if I only weighed 22 pounds, I could totally lift my legs above my head on the trampoline. <laughs> Maybe not. But if I get drunk enough, I could do that. <laughs> I am not brave enough to dangle from the little like bouncy bar on the trampoline. So I'm never going to try. Oh, yeah, my upper body strength is very poor. Oh, mine too. <laughs> so um, after he's convicted, but nothing happens to him, um, he gave up drinking for a little while. Uh, at some point, which I also skipped, he left his wife that he had the four children with, um, married somebody else. 
um, she remarried someone else and had another kid. And so then they get back together. So after he's given probation, he's like, oh, I've changed. I don't drink. I'm a nice guy. And she comes back to him. And uh, immediately he starts drinking again and becoming increasingly abusive. And again, no one is shocked. Um, So he makes a lot of threats and he is the one thing that so because the story has two different potential endings um well one ending but two potential like courses um but one thing everybody can agree on she was in danger like her psychiatrist was like you need to get out he's gonna kill you you can't be there you have to go and so she knew that she was in danger so here are the two versions of the story um this is the one that was the official like how everybody was convicted one, which is that Teresa and uh, her son from her like in between marriage, in between marriage. <laughs> right? I wrote previous marriage, but it's not really previous marriage. Um, hired Chris Wyant, who was all of 17 years old, but also a sideshow performer in their carnival. They paid him $1,500 to kill Styles. What is that in today's money? A little more than $1,500. I don't know. I didn't look it up. But it is not very... I mean, this was this was the 80s at this point. Maybe it was 79. Yeah, I'd want more money to off somebody. Yeah, me too. I mean, in theory, there is no amount of money. <laughs> right. But if I were to be tempted, it's going to have to be more than 1500 bucks. Well, so this is like the official version. Um on which they convicted all three people who were involved. So Wyant gets 97 years. Her son gets life. And Teresa ends up with 45 years for like this conspiracy to commit murder. Um, and that is with the, the theory they paid him $1,500. And that's all it took. The other one, much more altruistic. Um, so Styles's son. So also Teresa's son, but not the son from the other marriage mm-hmm. but the it doesn't really matter there are so many children so there are so many children um says that his mom and dad had been arguing so I, the the part that i think is important like it's styles son so like that's his biological dad you would think there'd be some like isn't loyalty? this grady the third uh i think so he's a real shit stain too well i didn't research that far so that's next episode no (laughs) the apple did not fall far from the tree i feel like it probably didn't ever um anyway he says that his mom and dad were arguing that his mom made the comment that something has to be done like it's after they were done arguing after they were done fighting she's like i don't know what to do something has to be done we can't go on like this that um her son who the court decided like helped her hire the neighbor to kill the dad um actually just went and told the neighbor like i don't know what to do my mom says something needs to be done like this is a really bad situation and that wyant out of the goodness of his heart murdered styles to protect the family so either way he apparently was good with killing the guy whether he got paid or not so. i mean I don't approve of murder necessarily. Right. However, I see how we got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. And 
I, yeah, it's not okay. Not okay. Can't do that. Not how things work. But Styles had been convicted of murdering somebody just because he was jealous, like, and didn't want his daughter to have any love. And nothing happened to him. Well, and he was very physically abusive. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it was all fine. Well, and now he knows he can get away with it. He's told the wife he's going to do it. The wife's doctor is like, yeah, that's a legitimate threat. Going to the police, not really an option. Well, and we forgot to mention, this is in Florida. Well, yes. Everything is in Florida. I found out something about that. Did you? Because I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Um. So I was, well, it doesn't matter. I recently learned in the course of something else that Florida has a set of laws called the Sunshine Laws uh-huh. that make the information about public records and, and mm-hmm. crimes and that sort of stuff freely available. Yes. So it's not necessarily that more weird stuff happens in Florida, although I wholeheartedly believe that more weird stuff happens in Florida. Well, 100%. But, but it's easier to find. Right. So all the stories, especially all of the more current like internet weirdness stories, yep. like the kids that stole the light pole and all that kind of stuff. Like that's why it's yeah, yeah well in, absolutely well it was something i learned actually about a, a podcast on casey anthony oh yeah where they were talking about like she didn't do anything that extraordinary right. like moms do crazy shit every day I right mean, maybe not that but it wasn't necessarily that it was so out of league it was that it was so easy to get the information right right yeah everybody gets to hear about it yeah. was it moms and murder Mm-mm. Oh, they did. I think they did Casey Anthony too. Yeah, they did Casey Anthony. I don't too. know about that one. They did like a two part one. Oh, they're mm-hmm. great. They're really cool. I'll check them out. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know what the right answer is. What? What? I guess the right answer is that she leaves and runs far away, and I'm sure that was not an option. So I don't know what the right uh. answer is. No, I mean, she doesn't remarry him, but it's a little late at that point. Well, but again, she'd been in the cycle of abuse for so long. Yes. That's her normal. Right. He apparently fulfilled some need. It's the claws. Obviously. Although I'm fairly certain that's not how she wound up with many children. So. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) sorry that image is gonna haunt you um you know it's it's classic abuse oh absolutely and and it's definitely not fair to blame someone who is essentially a victim but i don't know what her right answer what should she have done you know if she could have made herself do something But I think that's kind of the heart of the problem is that folks that fall into that cycle of abuse and victimhood Mm -hmm. literally don't know how. They have no other options. This is a woman who had, I don't remember how many children, in the 70s and 80s, you know, you have to remember, I did this whole thing um, before the last election, not, I guess, the midterm that we had, but the big one. Um, 
because I took my kid to vote with me. Mm-hmm. And we wore red. Mm-hmm. And we uh, had a big talk about why we were voting for the first woman president and why this right. was important. And we had a really big talk about how it's his job as a future old white man right. to protect the rights of his mom. Right. And we talked about how mom doesn't have all the same rights as dad. Right. And that, you know, um, I couldn't get credit in my own, like, in my lifetime. Right. I wouldn't have been able to get credit in my own name. It would have been mandated I take my husband's name. I couldn't, you know, just all of these different things. It was not until I had been in the workforce for over 10 years that I was legally protected from retaliation if I spoke up about being sexually harassed in the office. And we've come so far. No. <laughs> I'm, I am 42. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, that, that is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But, so when you look with the span of, this was well over 30 years ago. Right. This is a family that never had any money because sideshow performers, not well paid. No. Well, and she had children with significant disabilities. Sig- I mean, at this yeah. point, they were much older, but still, like, it's not like she was equipped to take her family and go do something different. Right. And even when she was married to the in-between husband. Mm-hmm. She had kids with this other guy. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't get to just peace out and never see him again. Right. That continued. That relationship kept going and going and going. Yeah. So what is the right answer? I don't fucking know. You know, even I, if there were resources, which there probably weren't in small town Florida in the fucking 80s. No. Even if she were well versed enough to understand what the services were available to her. Right. And had some sort of mental health care so that she would even want to or know that that was an option yeah know that what the way she was being treated was not okay right and that it was not deserved it was not her fault it was not the way things are right it was not love it was not no but think of all the lies that even as you know modern women in 2018 Mm -hmm. all of the lies we were told about how men should treat us and you know when they're mean to us it means they like us and yeah so if they hit you, they must love you a lot. A lot. <laughs> I have so many things to say on this topic that I will not say right now. <laughs> Aaron, I don't think my husband loves me. He doesn't hit you? Mm-mm. Mine occasionally like smacks my butt when I walk by. Does that count? It doesn't yeah. hurt. Oh. <laughs> and it's not out of punishment. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think that counts at all. Do you, do you like it? Does that make a difference? No, I don't makes think it this creepy. is that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My mom listens to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what her answer is. Honestly, I don't I either. Just... I don't think that was an unreasonable course of action, and I no. don't. I don't know that it's not just pretty clear cut self defense. I mean, I guess he wasn't at that moment standing with a gun pointed at her. But she knew that he had no issue doing that. She knew she was in danger. She knew the police weren't going to do anything. The other option was for her to wait until he killed her. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I know there are other options, but I don't know that there were for her. Right. Well, and again, you know, upbringing, resources, resourcefulness, You know, I like to think that I'm raising my kid, that if he found himself in a sticky situation, he could figure out how to get himself out of it. Right. 
not everybody has the cognitive ability, the, you know, the resilience, the, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm. And again, like, this is not blaming. It's just like, I see how you got there. Yeah. Yeah. I see how you looked at this. And I have this picture in my mind, probably from the book that I read of like him sitting in a recliner, pleather. (laughs) In his undies. Yep. Tidy whities. Yep. Like eating Cheetos, drunk as fuck, mm-hmm. like watching TV and screaming obscenities yeah. and abuse and verbal and, you know, all of that. Sure. And I totally lost my train of thought there. You have this image and you see how she got there. Yeah. And yeah. You know, where you look at that and you're like, this is my life. Yeah. And I can kill him and I can go to jail. Which actually seems okay. Right. Or even he killed someone and didn't go to jail. Maybe I won't either. Well, or maybe at some point, like, I think it was pretty known that he beat the hell out of everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe she thought the cops, like they did with him, would be like, yeah. Yeah. It's such an unfair situation too like he was truly evil whether or not that was his fault he was an evil dude Mm -hmm. and got nothing she pretty much acted in self-defense at the very least didn't know what else to do Mm -hmm. and oh well sorry i don't want to point a finger at toxic masculinity here (laughs) are you sure you don't i don't um, it's a very Minnesotan thing to do. It's really not. Well, no, it's a very <laughs> Minnesotan true crime podcast thing to do. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, Which you should not listen to with your children in the car. Not that I tried that on the way out here. I might have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Although, five-year-old went, oh, you're not supposed to say that. She said a bad word. My kid's a lot more relaxed because I apparently say things more in front of him than you do. <laughs> no, well, see, Tobin recently got in trouble for saying that bad word on his podcast. Uh, we had to have a talk about um, there are no good words and there are no bad words. Right. It is how you use your words. Right. And there are some words that are appropriate for situations and there are some words that are not. And mm-hmm. there are some words that are adult words mm-hmm. like deductible or fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And in this case, we have been talking about fuck and not deductible. <laughs> right. I mean, I I could go on about deductibles. Um, no, let's not. That's but way more depressing. <laughs> right. But regardless of yeah. the words that you choose to sure. use, please don't say fuck in front of grandma. Right. <laughs> right. And see, we are more in the we are five and go to preschool in a church. And yeah, mommy says enough things that shouldn't be repeated that she doesn't want to add that to the list so at the moment it is a bad word and you can't say it unless you're a grown-up which is why he told me the other day that he wished he was insert the random woman who was like waiting on a table three tables down from us (laughs) and i'm like really she's a grown-up she can say bad words i would like to be able to say bad words that's kind of adorable it was so cute and at the same time i'm like I don't know what I'm supposed to say as your mother. <laughs> and here I'm flashing back to when Liam was about Tobin's age. And uh, 
we were driving somewhere and I don't, I don't remember exactly what happened. If I like honked the horn or had to slam mm-hmm. on the brakes or, or, mm-hmm. you know, just what it was, minor traffic thing. <laughs> right. And from the back seat, I hear, what a fuck stick. <laughs> and my first thought was like, high five little man for doing that right. <laughs> you used that in context. So proud. That was, that was Tobin's that we had to cut out of the, actually I didn't even cut it out of his little podcast. I just believed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was telling the story of when he and Jordan were in the car accident and um, she swears, and I believe her, that she didn't say this because she's so like, so careful around my kids. Like she's not going to be the one to say that I screw up all the time. Um, and then my oldest, of course, mm. whatever he thinks it's like. What it's cool because he's an adult, so he can say whatever he wants. Um, but Tobin's telling me the story, and they get out of the car, and Jordan gets out of the car, and she goes, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I have to pause this because now I'm gonna crack up, and that's not okay." <laughs> so I was like, "You used that exactly right," which means you've probably heard it used that way. <laughs> I, I settled on the appropriate and inappropriate word policy when yeah. I discovered that I was not going to be able to stop saying fuck in front of my toddler. <laughs> so we just had to mitigate that risk. Yeah. Which is mommy was raised by the daughter of a sailor and a sailor. Right. Right. That's just a word. That, you know, there are no good words and there are no bad words. They're just how you use them. Yeah. Uh, there, there is at least there are at least two words that I don't say because I really don't like them and I would not want to hear them in my house spoken by my children, yeah, or anybody. But, but at the same time, yeah, it's really just not that. It's all about knowing your got to know your audience, yeah. So, however, having taught middle school for many, many, many years. <laughs> That is not how public schools see <laughs> words. <laughs> no. There are good words and there are bad words. And then there is when you try to explain the plot diagram to 10th graders. And inevitably, you have to talk about the climax of a story, at which point they all lose their shit. <sighs> I find climax to be a problematic word in a sexual sense. <laughs> And now shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see this being one of those conversations that is intensely interesting. And so we should continue. So Jordan's going to listen to this. Mm-hmm. And she is going to think, I cannot believe this bozo took over for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not. Plus, I don't know if she'll if she'll listen to it. She only just started listening to our episodes, which means she only ever heard them as we were recording them and and just never went like and I do all the editing. So she just never went back through and listened to them because she'd heard them. She was there. Um, And then recently, I think she decided that she needed to know whether I was making her look really smart or really dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I am always trying to make us both look smarter than we are. Can, can we have an O-Dang for Jordan? Yeah. 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 Count of three. Okay. One. Two. I'm going to sound like an idiot. Me too. Okay. <laughs> One. 
two, three. Oh, dang. I totally left you. <laughs> you totally did. did. You got to about two and a half, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but I, I'll say, I love you, Jordan. <laughs> we miss you, Jordan. We do miss you. You should just come out here, Jordan. It's not always like this. It's what I am told repeatedly. <laughs> but I feel like it is maybe a Minneapolis conspiracy. And they're all like, we swear it's not like this here. If Just we, like the people in Florida are like, crocodiles are not that big of a problem. If we had control over that, it would have been horrible at the Super Bowl. It was horrible at the Super Bowl, wasn't it? Wasn't that the I week you were know. here? Uh, oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no. It was no um, so people come here. Oh, it was really cold, though, because I remember you posting about it on Facebook. Yeah. So people come here and they figure out it's great. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell you how many people, since we have an office here, mm-hmm. that will come here for the first time and like, wow, this is really great. I'm like, yeah, I know. We're not morons. Like, we live here for a reason. Right. We put up with the rest of this bullshit to right. live here. Right. Um, but after things like Super Bowls or huge sporting events or something like that, like, people start moving here. Yeah. So we all secretly hope for, like, blizzards during the Super Bowl. So, like, people will be Won't. like, fuck this. So then that's what's happening this year. Yeah. That and apparently every time I come out, there's a blizzard. <laughs> that wasn't a blizzard. Well, okay. There's a lot of snow at the wrong time of year or more yes. snow than there should be. Yes. And it's freaking cold. I'm really upset about how cold it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay. Now I'm going to go home and it's going to snow there and you guys will have all the sunshine. <laughs> uh, I was going to get a pedicure this weekend. There is no point. All right, so I have to look up a person because I have a shout out. Ooh. But of course, I do a really bad job. Um, that is the one I did last time of pulling these things up in advance. So mm-hmm. I found it. Okay. Yay. All right. So um, my shout out is to Molly Smith who is our newest Patreon donor. Yay! Yay, Molly! And so you could be totally cool like Molly and Diana and all of our other wonderful Patreon supporters who I can look up their names. I actually know all of their names, but not at 1 a.m. Um, <laughs> all of the coolest kids are Patreon supporters. It's true. It is so true. Mm-hmm. I, I am actually a Patreon supporter, not of my own podcast. I was gonna say. That would just be giving Patreon money, but of other podcasts. Actually, almost entirely true crime podcasts that I enjoy because that's awesome because I yeah. know it costs some money to do and it's just fun. It's not like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. so, and they make me happy. Um, but if you go to Patreon and look up Crime Crazy Podcast, you can find us there. Or Twitter or Instagram is at Crime Crazy Pod. And then our website is CrimeCrazyPodcast.com, where I may even post the picture that Diana and I were looking at while you all had to listen. <laughs> Page 191. Page 191. I might just write Page 191 Actually, out there and I, not... I looked out at the picture is actually on 190, but the story is on page 191. That's why I couldn't find it on Google Images. Damn it, Diana. I'm surprised it's not just public domain. Oh, I don't know. I literally looked up the word page 191 and then the book title. Oh. I didn't like look up what the image was because 
at that point I couldn't remember. Oh uh, no, I think if you look up like Holly Falls. Right. Yeah. No, I'm certain mm. it's in there. There were other images from the book that I saw when you were flipping through. So, but it did not it Google didn't know what was on page. Actually, maybe it did know what was on page 191 Which is and nothing. it wasn't an image. So. Yeah. No, no image. Anyway, um so yeah, I think that's about it. Anything else? I don't think so. <gasps> Ooh, one more thing. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Until next week. Am I supposed to say the next part? Or are you going to say the next? It's I'm not Jordan's sure. line. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I did not practice this. All right. Well, don't screw it up. All right. It's like the last thing people hear. It's what they're going to remember. Okay. Uh-huh. Don't uh-huh. end up uh-huh. on next week's uh-huh. podcast. Yes.